Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the July 7th Board of Zoning Appeals meeting. My name is Luke Mortensen, and tonight I'm with Catherine Week, staff liaison to the Board of Zoning Appeals. We will work alongside the chair tonight to facilitate this meeting's proceedings. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast live on the city's YouTube and public access channels. Please mute yourself when not actively speaking. Please keep your video on for the duration of the meeting. There will be no uh, screen sharing of new materials this evening. All attachments, reference materials, and submissions from the public are included in the agenda packet. The chair will call for in-person and virtual public comment for those who wish to speak. All motions will need to be stated clearly. After a motion is made and seconded, staff will call on each, on each member individually to provide their vote. Staff will then need to announce whether the motion carried in the count of the vote. I will now toss to Catherine to determine if we have quorum. Good evening, everyone. I'll go ahead and call roll for quorum this evening. Herod? Hill? Matthews? Palos? Here. Rankin? Here. Shalinsky? Here. Shenuda? Here. And we do have quorum. Thank you. I will turn it over to the chair. All right. Uh, welcome to the meeting, everyone. Um, item B on the agenda is communications. Uh, acknowledge communications to come before the board. Are there any communications other than our main agenda item tonight? There are no additional communications. Uh, we did have uh, email communications from the appellant that were added to the packet today. I believe they're all in uh, the packet. Okay. Uh, disclosure of ex parte communications and or abstentions. Does anybody have anything to disclose? Right, uh, agenda items to be deferred, that would be item number two, uh, B230132, which is being deferred by the request of the applicant. That's correct, yes. We don't have any additional items being deferred. Okay. I believe there is uh, one agenda item tonight, and that is item one, B230021 four. This is an appeal filed by Kenneth Prost of the Lawrence Child Development Center, uh, who's the property owner of record at 2333 Crestline. Uh, this is challenging the planning director's administrative determination, uh, approving a minor subdivision on May 3rd 2023, subdivision MS-22-0042. Fountain Edition number one at 2300 Crestline Drive. Uh, the appeal was filed under 20 1311 of the Land Development Code, the City of Lawrence, reasons cited in the appeal packet. And um, I will uh, call on staff now to give the staff report on this item. Okay, good evening, uh, board members. Catherine Weeks, sta staff liaison. Uh, so just a reminder, administrative appeals uh, the only matter before the Board of Zoning Appeals is the question of whether staff 
did make an error when issuing a written determination approving minor subdivision MS 22-00420 for Fountain Edition number one. <clears throat> uh, so four minor subdivisions, that is uh, under our Land Development Code Section 2808 for minor subdivisions. Staff will give a brief history uh, of, the, of the project and the appeal, um, and then the burden of proof for uh, whether or not the staff did make an error is on the appellant, uh, but staff will run through uh, the application uh, for appeal and the history of the project. So 2013-11 does authorize the Board of Zoning Appeals uh, to hear and decide appeals where it is alleged there is an error in any order, requirement, decision, or determination made by an administrative official in the administration or enforcement of the provisions of the development code. The appellant contends in their packet that combining uh, lot one and lot three of Hills West number five um, resulting in multiple detached dwelling units on a single lot um, is not, that is not part of a permanent affordable housing development and that multiple utility and pedestrian easements do not meet code requirements. Therefore, the minor subdivision violates the development code of the city of Lawrence. So in 2808, uh, which is the section that governs the application, the process, and the review criteria for minor subdivisions, uh, you would look at the purpose, the authority, the applicability, and then the criteria and action for minor subdivisions. So the authority uh, for approval of minor subdivisions, they are administrative. The authority resides with the planning director to determine whether or not the mining, uh, minor subdivision does uh, meet all requirements for conformance. Some of the code requirements noted in the section by the appellant are not applicable to the minor subdivision review and approval criteria and do not impact uh, the determination of a minor subdivision or replat. Specifically, uh, sections that were noted in the appellant packet 2508 and 2202, which deal with regulations for the detached dwellings specifically and base district requirements of RS zoning districts. While those are code sections that are applicable in our subdivision regulations, they are not applicable in the review and criteria for approval for minor subdivisions. Uh, applicability for a minor subdivision um, in 2808C3, the applicability uh, relevant in this particular case going from two lots to one lot is the merger or consolidation of full lots or full lots with portions of platted lots into a fewer number of lots shall be processed as a minor subdivision or replat. Uh, the language uh, shall would be important. Uh, it does not give flexibility to process it in any other application form. The other relevant code section that the applicant is uh, citing are uh, in regards to uh, permanent utility easements and pedestrian easements. 2810H1 is the code section relevant to permanent utility easements. And permanent utility easements shall be provided where necessary to accommodate utilities that will serve the subdivision. Permanent utility easements shall be provided where necessary to allow for utility service in and through the proposed subdivision. Where such an easement is necessary, it shall be centered on rear or side lot lines as applicable. That is applicable uh, to this particular subdivision, which we will probably look at in detail. Um, and so it should be noted that those uh, requirements are centered on those lot lines. And then those uh, permanent utility easements shall be at least 30 feet and 15 feet wide, respectively, respectively to each lot line that they are referencing, whether it's the side or rear lot line. And then 2810H43 regarding pedestrian easements, specifically pedestrian uh, or easements for pedestrian ways. A pedestrian way is a defined uh, term in the subdivision regulations. Pedestrian ways shall in fact have a medium or minimum width of 12 feet. And staff will outline that the particular easement in question is not a pedestrian way. 
Um, so does the 12 feet uh, is not relevant to that particular easement. And then also noted are in the appellant application is 2109 for conflicting provisions. Conflicting provisions are not present in the minor subdivision criteria. Um, so as far as reviewing the criteria for a minor subdivision, there are specific uh, number of 11 criteria that are reviewed for minor subdivisions. All 11 of those criteria have been outlined um, in the staff report that was presented with the minor subdivision. And it's also outlined in this staff report uh, for uh, the appeal. When reviewing that minor subdivision replat, um, staff did find that the 11 criteria for review of the minor subdivision replat were met. When a minor subdivision is found to be in conformance with the requirements, the planning director is required by the language of shall. The planning director shall approve the minor subdivision. It is not a discretionary item, so if conformance is met, uh, the planning director shall conf uh, approve. If the minor subdivision were not to have been found to be in conformance, then the planning director shall deny. And that was not the case um, in review of that minor subdivision or in staff's review of the appeal. So just a brief history. Um, the minor subdivision application for 2300 Crestline was received in the planning office on December 1st of 2022. That minor subdivision proposed to combine the lot one and lot three of Hills West number five into one lot, lot one fountain edition number one. And then reviews on that project began on December 8, 2022. Uh, why this is relevant is staff is just going through the review criteria and steps uh, to show that conformance was uh, met in the uh, process for a minor subdivision. And then multiple reviews continued until the revisions on the project were deemed to be in conformance. The minor subdivision does contain easements which require easement dedications to be accepted by the governing body. Anytime there are easements, um, regardless of they, if they are permanent easements, uh, temporary easements, or pedestrian easements, or access easements for that matter, they do have to be accepted by the governing body. On May 3rd, 2023, an administrative staff report was prepared for the minor subdivision. Based on the analysis in the staff report, the planning director administratively approved that minor subdivision. It was found to be found in conformance with the requirements of criteria for a minor subdivision review. On May 8th, 2023, when the final reviews were resulted as complete, the staff report was released to the applicant and the project was scheduled for May 16th, 2022 city commission. Uh, I'm sorry, May 8, 2022. No, May 8, 2023. <laughs> the project was scheduled for May 16, 2023 City Commission agenda for the dedication of easements. At the May 16, 2023 City Commission meeting, those dedications of easements were accepted by the governing body. And then the, the appeal of that administrative determination was received in the planning office on May 24, 2023. Again, that the minor subdivisions are covered by 2808. Upon receipt of a complete application, the planning director shall review the application for conformance with apl applicable regulations. The planning director shall conduct the review of the application within 30 days of receipt of complete application, and review did start within 30 days. If the planning director finds that the minor subdivision replat conforms to all of the standards set forth, the director shall sign and date an original uh, Mylar copy of the min minor subdivision, which is in essence the approval, so he shall approve. If the minor subdivision replat proposes either dedications or vacations of easements or rights of way, the planning director shall uh, provide mail notice and place the minor subdivi subdivision replat on the governing body's agenda for acceptance or dedications. And again, that planning director's determination is based on specific review criteria outlined in 28808D. There are 11 criteria. All 11 criteria must be met. Um, in this case, all 11 criteria are outlined in the staff report, and all of those were deemed to have been met. So 
So in staff's analysis of whether or not there was an error made in the planning director's determination, staff did find that all 11 of those criteria were met. Um, so the planning director shall approve. In regards to the easements and whether or not the easements are an error, we should refer to section 2810H1 for permanent utility easements. And again, I read the definition earlier. Um, I, I stated that where such easements are necessary, they shall be centered on the rear and side lot lines as applicable and shall be at least 30 feet and 15 feet wide respectively. So 30 feet in reference to a rear, 15 feet in reference to a side lot line. The code required permanent utility easements for this particular property were already in place to accommodate utilities that would serve the subdivision. So there are easements already on the perimeter of the property. The application for this minor subdivision was not required to change those because they were already in place. Those easements were dedicated with the previous plat and recorded in book 15, page 58. And those existing recorded utility easements are located along the perimeter. And the majority of them are actually located on the property itself although they are split between the lot lines. There's a 15-foot wide utility easement located on the north property line, which is a side lot line, and an existing 20-foot easement located along the south property line, which is also a side lot line. There's also a existing 10-foot utility easement located on the north lot line adjacent to 2333 Crestline Drive. This is also a side lot line. And it should be noted that those distances exceed half the width of the required easements should they be centered on the lot line. So the existing easements do meet the code requirements set forth in these widths and locations. The code requires, um, actually the, the applicant also references in uh, their communications the access drives. Um, those access drives are access easements and permanent utility easements. They act as both. Um, access easements for joint access drives are required to be a minimum of 24 feet. These access drives uh, range from 24 to 26 feet in, in width, so they meet or exceed uh, the access, uh, access easement and joint utility easement requirements. There are also internal utility easements that adjoin those larger access and permanent utility easements. These are not easements that are required by code. They are not providing service to the subdivision. They are providing service to the individual units within the lot themselves. They were included as part of that minor subdivision to show that the proposed structures do have direct connections to utility services. Section 2810H2 for temporary utility easements is another uh, easement section. There are no temporary utility easements associated with this approved minor subdivision. 2808H3, drainage easements are, are regulated here, and there were no drainage easements that were associated with this approved minor subdivision. The fourth item for easements is pedestrian easements. There are four parts to pedestrian easement requirements. One, pedestrian easements shall be required when block lengths for local streets exceed 800 feet in length, and such easements shall extend entirely across the width of the block at approximately the midpoint of the block. This particular property is not a whole block. It is a parcel within a block. Just an item of note, it will be relevant for the pedestrian way uh, definition in a moment. Additional pedestrian easement uh, would be required within the city urban growth area. That does not apply. This is, or I'm sorry, that does apply to provide pedestrian connections from subdivisions to schools, parks, shopping, employment, and other necessary uses. Pedestrian routes in adjacent subdivisions or neighborhoods. So those are regular pedestrian easements do provide access to those things along, along neighborhoods, uh, parcels, uh, within blocks. There is one pedestrian easement that is being provided at this uh, property at the northeast corner of the property. 
The pedestrian easement is being dedicated with the minor subdivision where the width of Crestline Drive varies and widens towards the intersection of Crestline Drive and Clinton Parkway. That pedestrian easement also varies from six foot in width, width to 10 feet in width at this section of the property. The pedestrian easement enables code required sidewalk and infrastructure to be accommodated at this particular corner where that uh, drive widens. To accommodate the code required with a sidewalk, a portion, of that a portion of that sidewalk or infrastructure will encroach on the private property. The pedestrian easement dedicates this for public use because it does cross that private property. And pedestrian easement is defined in section 2815 of the subdivision regulations as a strip of land dedicated for public use, which is dedicated across a block for the purpose of providing pedestrian access to adjacent areas. So that is what this easement is doing, is providing a strip of land dedicated for public use to continue pedestrian connectivity. The third, third section of easements is easements specifically for pedestrian ways. And those pedestrian ways are the item that is referenced to have a minimum of a 12-foot uh, requirement. The code does specify that. The easement that is being dedicated on this property for pedestrian access is not a pedestrian way. The definition of pedestrian ways in 2815, uh, public walk dedicated entirely through a block from street to street or providing access to a school park recreation area, employment or shopping center. The easement is not serving as a pedestrian way as defined. The easement is accommodating a nearing section of right of way which forces a portion of the sidewalk onto private property. And then planning commission also has the authority uh, to waive these requirements uh, when topography or other barriers make it impossible uh, to follow the letter of the code. But the planning commission did not vary any requirements for easements on this particular minor subdivision. And in conclusion, uh, as staff has gone through the criteria for minor subdivision review, the definitions and intent of the pedestrian and or public utility easements. Staff did find that the planning, planning director did not make an error in determination that the minor subdivision met all of the review criteria for minor subdivisions. Um, the planning director did not err in that determination. And I would be happy to answer questions should they come up or if you need clarification on any code. Okay, do any members of the board have questions for the staff at this time? Okay. Uh, at this time then we will hear from the appellant. Hello, my name is Kenneth Prost and I'm the appellant. I am uh, arguing that this subdivision approval does not meet the requirements uh, necessary for achieving that approval. Um, starting with the, with the detached dwellings, um, in Article 8, uh, Code 2801, the general purpose and intent of the subdivisions um, the subdivision re regulations of this article are designed, intended, and administered to ensure that in the city and unincorporated areas of Douglas County and in, and in accordance with um, all the applicable zoning regulations enacted in order to implement their plans, um, in this case their site plan. Uh, that is approved. I'm not contesting that. I'm contesting the subdivision itself. Um, the second point in that same section, uh, in 801A2, is uh, it to prevent the development of substandard subdivisions. I handed out a packet to the two members here, and within our um, within the agenda packet is a list of all RSO zones in the city of Lawrence. There are 42 RSO zones 
within those 42 RSO zones, there are zero zones and subdivisions that contain more than one detached dwelling. Uh, the, the third point is, in the, in the general, is to ensure that subdivisions are designed and developed in a manner that is consistent with all applicable flood protection, stormwater management regulations, and other applicable land use and development regulations in Lawrence and Douglas County. So plannings, planning had said that the use was not an issue. It is an issue. It is an issue with the subdevelopment. So it needs to be developed in a manner that is consistent with subdi the subdivisions and the zoning and all code regulations. The, as for the easements, uh, in, in Code 20107, General Rules for Interpreting the, code, the Development Code, uh, Section B, Number one, the language of the development code shall be read literally, including that shall, which it makes it mandatory. They had said that the utilities that were, the utility easements that are within the property are not necessary because, are not required because they are within one lot. However, when we look at the easement requirements, it, said, it says that any, let's see, the easements in and through, in and through, providing service in and through the subdevelopment. These easements that they consider that are not required are in and through the development. Um, we go back and look at code at the subdevelopment codes 2808D, number five. Any public easement necessary to serve the property shall be dedicated prior to final approval. Which means that if all the easements that Fountain had, that the developer had submitted to this subdivision for approval by the city, were de are, that, they, that they felt were necessary to, to dedicate, means they should be treated as necessary. They shouldn't be just disregarded because they believe that they're not. If, if, if it was necessary from the developer, then they, are, they should be treated as necessary and as such follow all the regulations, including the minimum sizes required in the regulations. For this reason, I'm, I'm asking that the board appeal this determination because it does not fit, it does not conform with any RSO zones in the city of Lawrence, it does not conform with the regulations here in, in the codes. And this is specifically just for this. If they want to submit a new, a new subdivision proposal that brings this property into conform conformance, that is fine. But this minor subdivision was not appropriate and does not does not apply in this situation. Thank you. Are there any questions from the board for the appellant? I do have a question for the applicant or the appellant. Uh, did I understand you to say that you did? You were you agreed that the site plan review of the property was consistent with the city's regulations? Uh, not necessarily. I don't believe that, but it was approved and it, and it was accepted. So I will let that go. But as far as meeting all the requirements for the codes in the city of Lawrence, both things have to be met. You can't just have uh, the site plan and then the subdivision completely non-conformant with each other. 
And so in order to conform with the site plan, the subdivision needs to be drawn and uh, corrected, including the individual lots for each of the detached dwellings. Can, can I ask if the staff has any comment on that? Yeah, staff liaison, Catherine Week. Um, so there are two application processes that we are talking about. Um, the one that is under review is the minor subdivision and review criteria. That is a land division and consolidation action. And that has specific criteria in the code for that particular process. The 11 criteria that are outlined in the staff report for the minor subdivision and the criteria that are outlined in the appeal. Those are the criteria that are used for a land action. In all 11 of those criteria, use is not mentioned. Use is handled under other application processes. Those applications being, they could be site plans, uh, preliminary development plans, building permits. Further action for development is where the use regulations uh, will come in. So there are two different tracks um, and processes that we are talking about. The uh, detached dwelling or use um, noted by the appellant is something that would be handled during that site planning process. So my question then is, is the site plan was reviewed and approved and showed all those multiple uh, dwelling units and sites and that's what the application before you now is, or the, the uh, subdivision was to conform and, and finalize uh, a site plan that had been previously approved that showed multiple units on it. Um, and I'm assuming that that was taken under consideration. Uh, the comments that the appellant has made about more than one unit on the lot or more than two units on the lot, uh, was that addressed during site plan review? So that particular site plan went through an appeal process as well, and the uh, administrative appeal, or the administrative approval was in um, August of 21. Uh, the city commission heard the appeal for that particular site plan in October of 21, um, and did uh, find that the site plan met the criteria for, uh, for approval. Okay, thank you. Um, I have a follow-up question on this. Um, when site plans are created and reviewed, um, is it typical that they are reviewed and approved within the context of um, existing lots and might it be that were the uh, lots drawn differently, the analysis of the site plan might have been different. So Stephanie is on Catherine Week. That particular site plan, um, it was reviewed as two lots at the time. However, one of the conditions of approval for the site plan was that the minor subdivision would come follow and the site plan would not be finalized until that minor subdivision, um, uh, well, it was approved, but the condition of approval was that the minor subdivision would be completed, which this is the minor subdivision that's associated with that site plan approval. So you're saying that the site plan was approved subject to the action that is being um, appealed tonight. Yes, this is the minor subdivision that goes with uh, the condition of approval for that particular site plan. Okay, thank you. Um, any further questions for either the appellant or the staff at this point. All 
Okay. Um, there will be additional opportunity for that. Um, but hearing none at this time, I'm going to uh, open this up and see if there's any public comment. Good evening, Mr. Chair. Uh, my name is Greg Musil. I'm with the Rouse Fretz Law Firm, um, 5250 West 116th Place, Suite 400 in Leewood, Kansas. I'm here on behalf of Fountain Residential, which was the is the contract purchaser of this property. I'm also here with C.L. Maurer of Land Plan Engineering, who prepared the site plan that was approved by staff and then approved by the city commission, and who has submitted and drawn the uh, uh, major or minor subdivision that you have in front of you. Uh, I think Ms. Week explained it. The two things they complain about in their appeal essentially are that you have to have 30-foot easements everywhere if it's a permanent utility easement. That's simply misreading the code. The code says you must have those easements on the side lot lines and on the rear lot lines, and those already exist. And they were, they're of record long before this um, application for site plan approval was made. What they're trying to force is 30-foot easements within the property. And that's not been done. It's not called for by the code. And it would, it is, it would disrupt every development that you have in, in the city of Lawrence if everything that's called a permanent utility easement, meaning your water, your sewer up to a building has to be 30 feet wide. That's essentially what they're asking you to do internal to the lot. When the land development code says the easements that serve the subdivision, not serve the internal buildings in a subdivision, and they are specifically called out as side lot lines and rear lot lines. Any reading of the code would demonstrate that this property already met those easement requirements before this site plan was approved and continues to meet it today with the minor subdivision request. And the other thing that they claim is that the sidewalk along Crestline has to be a pedestrian way and therefore have a 12 foot wide stretch. It does not fit the definition of pedestrian way under the land development code, which is a mid-block connection between streets. This is an existing sidewalk that will be continued, or a sidewalk that will be constructed along the west side of Crestline, and what the applicant is doing in order to allow that to fit is granting a small pedestrian easement at, at basically Crestline and, and um, Iowa, or 23rd Street. So it's not a pedestrian way. And the frustrating part about this is that this project has had some controversy around it, but the cherry picking of the ordinance of the land development code to pick out things that look like they might fit is simply inaccurate and inappropriate. The easements are there, both the permanent utility around the outside of the subdivision and the pedestrian easement is there to serve the sidewalk. The uses of the property, which are still um, a problem for some of the neighbors, including I think Mr. Prost, were decided at the time of the site plan review or the site plan approval by the city and the zoning which has always been RS, which is RSO zoning and was not changed for this particular project. So we would ask you to deny the appeal because what the staff has done is completely consistent with how the land development code reads and how the land development code has been applied to other properties throughout the city. Thank you. All right. Uh, are there any questions for Mr. Musil from the board? Okay. Next comment. Good evening. My name is Jim Rumsey. I'm a member of the session of the First Presbyterian Church of Lawrence. Street address 2415 Clinton Parkway. Church is located immediately east across Crestline from this development. 
I want to address the two questions that Mr. Palos and uh, Mr. Shalinsky had. There's litigation pending as to whether or not one duplex on one lot or multiple duplexes on one lot can be done. And initially the planning staff thought that duplex was clear and unambiguous. The Court of Appeals has ruled that it is ambiguous and the matter is in litigation. We support Mr. Prost and the issue of whether or not the, all of this could have been resolved had there not been an attempt to put more duplexes on this property than there could be. So we ask that you consider upholding Mr. Prost's appeal. Uh, do people have any questions for Mr. Rumsey? Okay. Um, next comment. I also wanted to address some questions, Kenneth Prost. Sorry. <laughs> um, in the in the code, it does show that. Um, if there is an attached dwelling and a de detached dwelling on one lot, if the, if the primary use of that detached dwelling, the owner is living in it, then that is a detached dwelling and a, an accessory dwelling. I'm sorry. Uh, so that is allowed within an RSO zone. However, if the primary owner of that lot vacates the, pri the primary use, the primary resident, residents and decides to rent out that detached dwelling, then those two buildings become considered a duplex. Once those two buildings are considered a duplex, if they do not fit, fit the uh, subdivision or zoning regulations, then one of those buildings must be changed and removed. So even for properties that are already developed, and if they do not allow for a duplex on that property, you can't just vacate that and expect it to remain the same. They, there's no grandfather system for that. States in the regulations that it would have to be modified and corrected. So even if this were to pass, it would still violate the regulations and need to be corrected. Um, that's not appropriate and it should be and should be fixed when we come down to the detached dwelling regulations it is actually the detached dwelling standards that we are we are talking about and this is a standard that applies to all and every zone with a detached dwelling and that is 25 20, uh, and that must be applied in every situation so even if now that this approval for the site plan is dependent on the approval here well then if they want to get that final approval then they need to make this subdivision conform with the site plan that they have filed and the only way to do that would be that for them to create the individual lots necessary for these detached dwellings I once again I ask you to appeal this this approval um, I have a question yes. um, If the problem is the detached dwellings, um, would that not be a problem whether or not this subdivision change is approved? I, I am not sure. I'm not an engineer. I don't draw lot lines. I can't tell you exactly how it would be drawn out. So that would be, that would be something for uh, the engineering department to take care of, but as long as they're on individual lots or even if they need request variances and get variances put into place, that's not an issue. As long as it conforms with all other RSO zones and the regulations of Lawrence. I don't know whether it would require a new site plan or not. Okay, thank you. Um, Will staff weigh in on this question, please? So again, the appellant is bringing up issues of use and the use 
the matter before the board this evening is whether or not the minor subdivision was approved in error. That's the only item before you this evening. Other comments? I have a question. This is Dean again. Uh, I heard the word litigation that I hadn't heard previously, that the site plan is, is under uh, some kind of lawsuit. Is that correct? Staff is and Catherine Week. There is litigation on the site plan that is not relevant to this particular item. This is a separate item. Um, and again, it is a matter strictly of whether or not the planning director has made an error in the approval of the minor subdivision. That's the authority that the Board of Zoning Appeals has. The, the plat itself, uh, the subdivision does not show any kind of lot lines other than the combination of the two lots into one. That's correct, right? Yes, this minor subdivision was to combine two lots into one lot. That's what I understand, okay. And that was subject to uh, some kind of conformance with the requirements for the approved site plan? No. The site plan had a condition that there would be a minor subdivision to follow. This minor subdivision, the criteria for review is outlined in 2808. Um, and the minor subdivision was reviewed under those 11 criteria for minor subdivision replat review. But I should, clar I should clarify it to help. There are, again, two tracks that we're talking about here. There's a land consolidation tract application process, and there's a site planning um, application process. In this case, the site plan came before this minor subdivision. Normally, you might see minor subdivisions prior to site planning development. This minor subdivision came after the site plan, but they are two separate applications, and the item before you this evening is the approval of the minor subdivision. Right. I understand that now. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Uh, just, okay, now I, I'll pass. Any other comments? Or I guess before I ask for comments, I should ask, are there any more questions from the board at this point? Okay. Go ahead, sir. Mr. Chair, I'm, I'm really sorry to get up here again, but I just want to make it clear that there, there are two things that are on the uh, are for the appeal. Did the staff err in not requiring 30-foot easements internally to the project? instead of just all the way around it, which are in existence? And did the staff error in not in saying that the sidewalk along Crestline does not need to be a pedestrian way? That's what's within the authority of the Board of Zoning Appeals in this appeal. And as we've seen before, we're dragging in other things about how many lot lines do you need for a duplex? What are the uses? Those are subject to a different, different process and a different appeal process. And it's, that's under both Kansas law and the land development code that those are separate items. And I, I know you will keep those separate, but it's frustrating to sit here and have those other things dragged in here which are not relevant to what is in front of you tonight. I appreciate your time. Okay, thank you. Any follow-up questions? Any Additional public comments. Right, Kenneth Prost, I wanted to make my final comment. Um, part of the review criteria is conformance with Horizon 2040, um, and we do not feel like it, it, it uh, conforms with Horizon 2040 purely because of the fact that Horizon 2040 still still requires the site plan and the um, replat to conform with, or to, to follow regulations and code, development code. 
um, if it doesn't meet development code, then it's not, it's not in, in conformance with Horizon 2040. Thank you. Thank you. Do, well, do board members have any more questions at this point? Are there any further public comments at this point? Okay. Um, I would like to entertain a motion to close the public hearing portion of this item. Do I have such a motion? Board member Rankin, I will motion to um, close public hearing. Okay. Moved by Adam, is there a second? I second that. All right, seconded by Peter. Uh, will staff please call the roll? Staff liaison, Catherine Week. Shalinsky? Yes. Rankin? Yep. Palos? Yes. Shaduda? Yes. And the motion carries. All right, thank you. So now um, we will bring this to the board for discussion and resolution. Uh, so I'm going to. Any comments? I'm going to start. This is about combining two lots into one. It's not about a site plan, use, or any of that usage. It's about putting two lots together and if the easement meets the requirement and the sidewalk. So we need to discuss that. What the use is or what's going to happen with internally within the land is not what we're looking at voting on today. Okay. So we need to talk about, did the director make an error on that or was he correct by signing? Um, I'm reading some of the codes that he was using and of course the word shell came a couple of times which was used as mandatory. Um, the city had 11 criterias to meet. They met those criterias. So did he err by on any of these 11 errors, uh, requirements? That's the question. Because he uses the word shell. So he has mandatory to do something. He has to either approve it or deny it. All right. That helps with focusing the discussion. Anyone else? Okay. Um, if there's no further discussion, does anybody have a motion to make? Catherine has something. Go ahead. Would the chair recognize staff for a moment? Um, okay. I just wanted to remind uh, the board of your options for your motion before you make your motion. You, uh, as the Board of Zoning Appeals, have the option to affirm the planning director's determination, to reverse uh, the planning director's determination, or to modify um, any determination that was made by the planning director. Thank you. Okay. I do want to say one thing. Go ahead. Um, we cannot overturn an administrative appeal unless there is substantial factual evidence 
that there was an error. Just that's, 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 that's correct, board that, that is very important for us to know that. We cannot overturn unless we have factual evidence to do it. Other comments? Okay. Um, the last thing that I want to do is put words in anybody's mouth, um, but it sounds as if you believe that um, the uh, decision should be affirmed. So I mean, do you have a motion to that effect, if that's your opinion? I make a motion to affirm um, the findings by the director, and, his, and I'm good with that. Okay. Is there a second to the motion? Board Member Rick and I will second that motion. Okay. We have a motion and a second. Do we have additional discussion? I, I me, it's kind of pretty, to me, it's pretty cut and dry. It's as I remember Peter was saying, like, we need pretty good evidence to, to overturn that. Um, a decision was made in error. Um, yeah, that's why. That's why I seconded his motion pretty quickly. This is Dean. I, I'm in support of the motion uh, for the reasons that Peter cited. This is, and that Catherine has made clear that there. <laughs> There's a distinction between the two processes here, and it sounds like the secondary process, the site plan review or whatever the name it goes under, uh, is under some other uh, procedure as far as litigation. And I think that's where that, I agree, that's where that issue needs to be resolved. Uh, so I'm supportive of this motion to affirm. All right. Thanks to everyone for your comments. Um, are we ready to vote? I think we are. Staff, will you please call the roll? Yes, staff liaison, Catherine Week. Shalinsky? Yes. Rankin? Yes. Palos? Yes. Shenuda? Yes. A motion carries four to zero. All right. Um, I want to thank everybody who appeared today uh, for taking the time to make your views known. And um, that is the uh, only item on the agenda, is there any other business to come before the board? Um, there's no other business. Uh, staff does usually like to give uh, board members an idea of whether or not we have items in the following meeting. And, and tentatively, we do have at least two items for next month. All right, so everybody put on your calendars. Um, same bat time, same bat channel next month. Um, I had a question, quick question for staff. I noticed the app, or the, there's one that was deferred. Um, did that have like multiple parts to it? Say, I'm sorry, I didn't hear your whole question. Can you repeat that, Adam? Yeah, no problem. Um, the, there was one item that was deferred. And yes. if I'm remembering, I already closed out. But I want to say that had like multiple parts to yes. it. Yes. Yes, it's a multi part variance that was deferred. And so, 
just so, you know, give myself a preview, I guess. Let's look forward to, would we vote on each part or would it be all or none type of thing? Um, we can guide you a little bit during that particular item. But yes, typically there are multi-votes um, on multi-part uh, variances. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I don't know what to expect, but I know that in the past, oftentimes we've um, held separate votes on separate parts of um, a matter. So I guess we should be open to that possibility. Uh, anything else? All right. Um, at this time, I will entertain a motion to adjourn. I'll motion to adjourn. Do we have a second? Second. Okay. Motion and second. You can go um, ahead and Please do, uh, call yeah. the roll. You can do an aye for closing the meeting. We can do a vote by ayes. All in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. All right, meeting adjourned. Thank you all. Thank you. Have a good night.